Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again for another week, but this week's a bit bigger. It's TLT round one, so it's our first actual season podcast. Uh, we had our six pre-season podcasts going, which is great fun, but now we're right into the mix of it. So from this week, we'll start doing our regular TLT ones each week. So the format will be TLT um, run through and then also a review of the week's prior Obviously, there's no week prior this week, so we'll just be going through TLT round one. Because it is round one, it is going to be a bit longer. We are going to have to spend a bit more time on it, so that works out quite well. Uh, For this episode, it's just going to be a solo one with me, Barnsley, on board, because being TLT round one, I had to get it out quite quickly, and that means that I had to get it done during the day when other people weren't available. So, sorry that you're going to have to just listen to me this week. Next week, we will have somebody on in the next couple of weeks we're actually going to have some other guests on too which is going to be great um so i'll get through it as quickly as possible i'm not going to spend too much time on each team but it's also important because other reason why we don't have guests is i'm waiting on my new internet some of you guys will know that uh i was having some problems with telstra and now they are gone for me but i'm waiting on the optus modem to come so it was a bit hard to get someone in. The people that listened to our podcast last week, thanks very much. But that last preseason podcast, you would have heard me talking over Billy a little bit. And that wasn't me interrupting Billy. That was just because the internet connection was so poor, having to do it off my iPhone, that um, it, it meant that it was all quite jumbled up and I couldn't fix it in editing. So a bit better quality this week. And next week when I've got some internet going again, it'll be even better. So let's get stuck into it. Uh, we're going to go through TLT. In full, first game is Bulldogs versus Eels. Starting off with the Bulldogs, the the first big deal to talk about is obviously CHN and Oakenbore have gone. It's looking like it's probably going to be a reasonable suspension, um, but we really don't know at this point. I've seen a few things on, on social media and stuff that have kind of surprised me on, on people not understanding what they've done wrong. Um, I'm not going to... Um, go into it too much, but for me personally, just from a rugby league point of view, uh, there's this, the NRL and the Bulldogs go out to schools and obviously do clinics and whatever. It doesn't matter about the age of consent and all this other stuff. It's a pretty bad look when uh, some rugby league players go in and do a clinic or or go and meet kids and whatever in a high school and then use that as an opportunity to pick a couple of girls up. It's just, you can't do it. And you can imagine from the NRL and Bulldogs perspective, you know, the sort of pushback that they're going to get. Apparently, the Bulldogs have lost $2 million as a sponsorship deal because of that, and that's not going to come back. They've lost that money, so it's a big deal financially. Um, It's also a big deal as far as how many schools are now going to turn around to the Bulldogs and even to the NRL and say, we don't actually want your players coming to our school. Uh, It's a huge impact, um, and it really was the wrong thing to do. So I'm not dragging these guys over coals. We don't know the full story. All I can base it on is to what I've seen. Um, in the media and whatever, like all you guys, I would assume that they're gone for at least a month, if not longer, if they really put the hammer down. What that means is um, someone like Stimson is the first mid-range guy to talk about in TLT. He's starting on that edge that potentially would have been CHNs, and that's where it's going to open up the opportunity for Supercoach. Stimson's going to be 343k to start with for round one, um, but 
He's only got a 34 average in 30 minutes last year. So he really has to have an 80-minute role. And looking at this TLT, uh, it would be easy to have a look at it and say, you know, Stimson's going to be a fantastic option. Um, he might be, but it is going to have a level of risk. Probably in years past, I would have just started with him and seen where it went. But because we have so many mid-range options this year, it's going to be a risky proposition to go him when you could go half a dozen other guys around the same price point, probably with um, better attacking opportunity as well. So you could start with Stimson, um, but it may very well be that CHN's back in a month and he might just get that starting job back. Um, it's really hard to tell. It could be that Stimson starts there all year and he's fantastic. That's the risk that you're going to run with TLT round one. The other cheapy alert we've got is Wakem. So Wakem's a halfback only guy, but he's only 277k. One of the things that I really like about Wakem being named is one, I'm not a big Cogger fan. Uh, I think that Cogger is very much like a Newcastle too, who is more depth in the end. Um, and he might get some jobs here and there filling in. But I'd be seriously surprised if, if Wakem isn't the future rather than Cogger. Having said that, um, Dean Payne is the coach. So you think the job security is secure, but with pay chopping and changing, maybe it isn't as secure as maybe some other teams that he might be in. He had two games last year, and this is where I really like it. It's quite a small sample size, but he scored 53 and 54 points in those two games. Very small, but in those two games where he started in the halves um, and played the 80 minutes, 53 and 54 really good scores for a kid that's just come in and just played his first couple of games. So I, I actually really like him. Um, it's going to be a bit tough with some of the other guys. Um, you know, will he be better than a Luai? That's the sort of question you need to ask yourself. Is he going to be better than a George Williams, who is 60k more? I tend to think that George Williams is in a better a better side with a bit more opportunity playing the Titans round one, which we'll get to. So out of the two, I, I'd try and find the extra 50, 60k to go to Williams instead. But Wakeham's definitely on the radar, uh, and he could be a pretty good one. Bit hard to trust pay though. That's a, that's a big deal with that one. So there's not really any players of huge interest or ones I'm thinking will go grading this game for the dogs. Um, let's move over quickly to the eel side. From their starting side, they're, they're pretty much exactly as we predicted them to be. There isn't much change at all. Um, currently, that's a four forward bench. So the bench is probably the biggest deal with their uh, side that they've made from round one. Four forward bench, you've got. Tucker Rangi basically playing the utility row. Uh, so the back row should still be pretty safe at big minutes. They don't have any cheapies or mids like the Bulldogs do, aside from who we already knew. So we won't go over the uh, the numbers ground again on the mid-range options in the Eels because we've already discussed it. But basically it was Wunga Blake. Uh, he hasn't played a trial yet. He looks like their best mid-range option. There is an element of risk that he's going to come in a bit underdone. So that's probably just something to keep in the back of your mind. But he still looks like a good option. Um, the Eels could win by a bit in this one, playing at Bank West with the side that they've named. So that whole back line looks really good, as does the edges, as far as I'm concerned for this one. So talking about um, the other guys of interest in this particular game for round one, Nathan Brown's been named at 13. And finally, we get to a start of a season where he's healthy. Uh, he's had a pretty good preseason. He looked really good in the trials. So for 550k, now that we've got the sides named, I'm actually really comfortable looking at him. I'm pretty excited for him for this first game. Maddo, we've spoken about a bit. On paper, it looks good in that side. And the more that I look at it and have TLT in front of me, the more that I'm thinking 
he could hit some early attack off Moses. Um, so we might see some of that even as early as Thursday. Moses, who I've just touched on, looks fantastic in this matchup. His fourth, fourth best score he's ever had is 114 points, and that's against the Dogs. Uh, last year, conversely, though, he did only average 47 against them. This one is at Bankwest, where Eels were great last year. Moses averaged 72 in his Bankwest game. So basically, he was a 10-point better player at Bankwest. I'm sure the Dogs will come out pretty hard on him, but I'm pretty sure as well that Eels will have their points there. Sebo as another player of interest in this back line that could go well in round one. Um, looks like an absolute smoky. He's got a court case on Thursday. It's now been reported that uh, he doesn't have to be there for that, so it's not going to be a big deal. As long as it's not on his mind, I'm, I'd be very surprised if he's not scoring at least one try on Thursday. and He'll, he'll start the year with a try. Potential to start with a monster start. It wouldn't surprise me if he grabbed a double and just ran, ran a muck. Um, it's more of a gut feel with Sebo, though. Uh, the, the Bulldogs, by all accounts, can start well, um, and they might play pretty tough footy. But at Bankwest, um, I, I think that Sebo could definitely fire. I, I'm, I would love to be able to get him in my side for this matchup and for round one to start with him. But his numbers aren't great last year, if you look at some of them. Uh, against the Dogs, he actually had two scores in the 20s. So the Dogs was actually his worst matchup last year. Uh, he's, he scored 20s in both of them, averaging about 24 points for his two matchups against the Bulldogs. So it's not great. It's one of those ones that's a, it's a gut feel type of one. I'd like to start with Sebo. Uh, around the 550k mark, it's really hard to justify in centre wing, though, looking at the numbers. For this matchup, captaincy options. So let's have a quick look. Um, it's the first game. You can't really do a full-on captaincy, but it's a great one for VC looks. Moses looks like a really solid high upside play. Uh, it's the first game, it is at Bankwest, and he is the type of guy that could just throw up a ton. He's going to be goal-kicking. If that backline fires, and against that dog's backline, you know, it looks pretty likely to me, um, then he could be a great VC option. With your VCs, and we'll talk about this more and more throughout the year, but obviously being round one, don't forget what your VCs need to do, and they need to be high upside guys that are going to play early in the round what you'll probably find is that there isn't a huge amount of high upside guys that are going to play early in this round. So um, Moses looks like one of the better ones that you could go for playing the first game. On the Thursday night, uh, predicted score for this one and how I think it's going to go, I, I actually really like the Eels for this one. I think that they're going to be 28-10 winners, um, and I like the fact that um, they're going to score points. So for super coach purposes, could be a really good start for the Eels. I'm sure the Dogs will play hard. I just think the Eels will run away with it at Bankwest. So, moving along, Raiders versus Gold Coast is the second game that we've got. And for the Raiders, first of all, the cheapy and mid-news, now that we've got our team list, uh, Simonson gets named as expected. He's at 356k, so he's not the best price, but getting that job with a railway matchup here versus the Titans, he may very well give a big score. He's probably not going to be for me, even though he's been named there, um, but he's certainly an option, and the other news is he's opposite wing is now Kotrick. So obviously Scott got named. That's kind of annoying. Um, for me, I was quite interested in Kotrick in sort of the high 300s range. Um, I thought he was one of the better options, but I really wanted him at centre. Um, I had a bit of a debate online in the last week with uh, a couple of people actually about Kotrick. Um, you know, one person was saying that he's not, uh, he's, he's better on the wing. There was a few things with that. You know, I when I'm looking at stats for a lot of guys, I'll, I'll only look at their 80-minute games. You know, Kodrick had a, a couple of lower centre games last year, but he only played 
sort of between 50 and 60 minutes in those games or something like that. I'm, I'm looking at what he's going to do in 80 minutes because that's what you're going to assume your output's going to be without an injury. And, you know, in 80-minute games at centre, he's only got five. So it's not like it's a huge sample anyway. But his base was around seven points better, um, if not more. He also had a better average at centre than what he did at wing last year. So uh, even just throwing that out because it's a small sample size, um, most centres are going to outscore uh, wingers just on, on the base stats and, and the opportunity. So I really liked Quadrick at centre. I can't pick him when he's on the wing. Wouldn't surprise me at all as a 364k mid option that he busts out against the Titans and scores a double or even a hat trick if they really put it on those. So I think he's got huge potential. I'll be looking at him for Moneyball for sure. I've got already got my sports bet on to have a Kotrick anytime try scorer. I might even go for a first try scorer on him as well. Um, but it's going to be hard to throw him in there when he's playing on the wing and not really seeing the work rate. In the forwards, uh, the mids that we've got now, the big deal was always going to be about Tappany and Horsburgh, the horse. So obviously Bateman's 80-minute edge roll is what we were looking for. Tappany's been named to state 13. So some of that appeal that I had for him is gone, um, mainly because in that edge role, he was probably guaranteed to play 80 minutes or all but guaranteed. In the 13 jumper, that's not going to happen. Horsburgh, on the other hand, is 375k and he's now named on the edge. So he's a front row forward as well, where I know a lot of people have been struggling with this TLT and have maybe been starting um, two cheapies on the bench in front row forward. Horsburgh is a great option. So his largest minute games last year that he played were 51 minutes where he scored 63 points, 50 minutes where he scored 46 points, and 48 minutes where he scored 52 points. His floor looks like it's going to be 55 minutes on that edge. Um, his ceiling is possibly even 80 minutes. I don't, I'm don't. i hesitant to think that he's going to get 80 minutes because I see more of a prop middle forward, but if he were to get 80 minutes on that edge, he, he could very easily become the best mid-round option for round one. Uh, and he's much better than other popular mid-range players are going to be. Not a lot of teams have got Horsburgh in, so the horse has got some pod potential compared to other mid-rangers. I really, really like him last year. Um, He only scored 40 a game last year, but that was because he was only getting 33 minutes. So his upside is at least an extra 20 now. He's getting at least an extra 20 minutes a game. Absolutely love that. Um, Possible that Tappany has value because he could rotate onto that edge for Horsburgh. That's definitely a chance. But there's probably too many mids for me to take a risk on what Tappany's going to do. I think that it's less risky to go for who's in that edge role, and that's Horsburgh. Horsburgh's also going to be coming against one of the worst edges in the Titans. So he might be just a a massive score off the bat running on that right edge. He showed a bit of an ability to tackle break and offload. Um, Wouldn't surprise me if he has a great game this this first one of the season. Um, He could very well score 60s very easily. So I'm all over Horsburgh. He's the one out of that pack for me. He's probably the number one pick mid-ranger cheapy. Um, cash cow guy for that Raiders side for me. George Williams, we mentioned before, he's remaining popular. This is a really good matchup for him to start his career. I've sort of gone on and off him. I mentioned in the preseason that someone like Ash Taylor, I might um, I might be more confident in because he's got the experience and he's he's got a bit of NRL under his belt and probably the goal kicking, although we're not certain on that yet. Uh, I've actually swung around to Williams a little bit. Um, they're playing at home at GIO Stadium in Canberra and it's also a game where Williams is playing one of the weakest sides in the Titans, and the Titans have always been susceptible to 
good ball runners. And one of the things that Williams has built his career on is being a good ball runner. Um, a lot of you probably seen the stats, but playing for Wigan, he's basically won in three games. He was scoring a try. Uh, he had 60-something tries in 180-odd games. If he tries to play the same game that comes natural to him, um, he might find himself getting a couple of line breaks and a try against the Titans. Wouldn't surprise me at all. So he looks like a good start for the mid-range options from Canberra. Other guys of interest in this one for the Raiders, uh, Croker and Hodgson are two either guns or former guns, depending on how you look at it. Um, wouldn't surprise me if both these guys start off with a bang. Croker could easily kick six goals in this one and maybe even score a try. So he, he might even be a, a smoky to turn up as well. Um, I mentioned the forward defence of the Titans. Someone like Hodgson could very well just wreak havoc in that ruck. You know, I, I could very well see... You know, Hodgson just running at Bryce Cartwright all day and just running towards the edge and crabbing along and just absolutely killing Bryce Cartwright. So there's things like that that I could definitely see. Those two guys are pretty interesting. Um, Titan side of things, cheapy and mid-watch. Brimson's out with a back injury, so he's not an option anymore. Um, might be down the track as a downgrade. Watkins is another guy that's interesting. So we didn't really give him much much time a day in the off-season when we were reviewing the teams, but... Now that round one TLT is coming around, he's been named at centre. At 277k playing centre um, with rock bottom sort of centre wing, price centre's not coming through. He seems like a pretty okay shout. His games last year were actually on the wing, and we've only got five to go off, which are all mediocre. But moving across to the centre, that might actually improve his scoring quite a bit. Um, And he is a guy who came over from England and had to adjust and everything, so maybe having the season under his belt will help him. When we don't have the cheapies in play for the centre wing fill-out, 277k doesn't look too bad, so he's definitely an option. Another guy that's actually cheaper looking at their forward pack for the Titans is Lissoni. So he's been named to start, and he's only 242k. A casual super coach might look at that and go, he looks absolutely gold. That looks fantastic. 242k, starting front row forward, get him straight in. Fill in, fill in the gaps with these cheap guys. He looks completely trappish. I would completely stay away from him. Um, I'm not a fan of it at all. Fuduoka was their player's player last year. He's also a guy a lot of super coaches have looked at in this offseason to potentially put in their teams. Fuduoka's uh, apparently um, a bit slow to progress coming back for some injury. So he's been named in the extended bench. He's going he's gonna to make the 17 at some point. He might even get rushed in this week or something. I haven't seen the latest update on his injury. But basically, once he's in, Lasoni's the guy that's going to go, and he's still going to probably have a bench spot, but he's just going to turn into a complete plotter on the bench, and it becomes a, a absolute wasted option having him there. So you've got to avoid Lasoni. Don't go near him. Fudoake is going to take his spot for sure. Um, other guys to watch in this one. Um, bench is hugely interesting for the Titans. We've got Pete's on it, and only two Fords because you've also got Brian Kelly. Uh, as a back on there. So the middle looks pretty short. Um, what that means for round one is it looks like arrow stocks are looking up. So we might finally see him get to play 60-plus minutes, um, at least to start with. Probably the thing that I'm a little mindful of looking at this team list is a late change can definitely happen here, um, where another forward comes in. They're, they are waiting on Hipgrave and Fudoaka, uh, and they'll be there soon. But if arrow gets big minutes now, there's a chance that they might drop a little bit uh, in the coming weeks, maybe someone like Brian Kelly isn't on the bench, um, and it's just sort of Pete's being a hooker to spell um, the starting hooker in rain, and then maybe being a bit of a utility as well, playing some forward minutes. So 
just keep an eye out. But I think that Arrow definitely does go up. On the captaincy watch, um, VC Croker might be a bit of a smoky play. Um, if Canberra carve up here, um, you know, it's not... Obviously, again, you want to go for the upside. And if Croker kicks six goals, scores a try and sets up two others, you know, he's going to turn up. So there is potential just to throw an early VC on him being an early game. Um, I don't really think there's, there's any C options as such. That's probably the best one for a VC. I think the Raiders are going to definitely put on points. So one thing with the Titans for certain is that they are going to give up points even at the start of the year. They might prove me wrong. They do have a new coach. Um, so sometimes that happens and they come out firing and they might be a different side. I don't really see it though. They've got some really poor defenders in that team. Um, the edges of um, you know Bryce Cartwright and Ash Taylor on one side and um, Roberts on the other. It really isn't very good. And they've got Philip Sammy filling in on and at fullback as well. I'm not sure how well he'll go. He doesn't have a huge amount of experience there. So for me, the Raiders 30 to 14 seems like a likely type of scoreline. I reckon it's going to be great for Supercoach for the Raiders side though. Moving along to the Cowboys Broncos. Now, cheapy and mid-watch for the Cows. Um, first guy in the back line is Hampton. So Hampton's won the wing spot for the Cowboys, um, which is really good news. You know, in the preseason, we spoke about him not being a very good player. Um, and I think it was um, Cowboy himself, Andrew Scanlon, said that he wasn't really that keen on him as an option because he's just he's not very good. He doesn't have job security and he could get dropped. All that's very true, but... Now that we've got the TLT, there's just there's no bottom price center wing option at all that's going to start. Uh, guys that are 237k are basically the cheapest guys that you can get. So he looks like a real option to fill out your center wing. His scores last year were bad. He did have one game where he scored three due to injury. So it actually means he's about three points underpriced. And, and you've really got little choice. Um, you've probably got to plug him in at home unless you want to spend big dollars on all your center wing spots. Cohen Hess moving into the Ford pack is the other big mid-range winner uh, from this TLT. Starting edge for the Cowboys. That's mostly been 18 minutes, uh, 80 minutes, sorry, um, if you're starting edge for the Cows. The risk is going to be that Shane Wright's on the bench. Um, but if I were to guess the rotation, and you know, if I was coach, I'd probably do it this way. I'd be using Bright as a middle forward, which he's more than capable of doing. And he can go into 13 for Lolo. Um, conversely as well to get some other minutes, Wright could move to an edge and Hess could easily move to prop where he's played plenty of before. That could easily give Wright 40 minutes off the bench and Hess could still maintain his 80 minutes. So I actually think it's worth the risk. You're talking about upside of about 20 points underpriced from his first couple of seasons starting where he's a 58 point per game super coach gun. He's only at 38 points per game on last year's performance. So there's huge upside there. Even um, getting to 50 is going to make a fair bit of money for him. 354K, I really can't say no to that. I think that he's gone from maybe, you know, a sort of eighth or ninth type of mid-range forward option to possibly even a top three or four. Um, He's got that sort of potential where he could really bust out. I like the fact that he's got upside. Some of these other um, mid-range options, um, you know, Tappany's a good example. He's had that many chances and not really busted out for a long period of time. He's kind of regressed and busted out and regressed sort of thing. Someone like Hess, um, I think, might have just had a down year and or might have just been a good kick up the ass as a young player that he needs. So I, I'm, I've got Hess in my side now based on that team list. Um, part of that as well is if you have a look at the bench, um, that's probably the other big thing. 
it looks really good for Hess and Lolo. And they're winners from TLT, not just because Hess is starting, but just because for both of those guys, we've got Robson on the bench and three forwards. Um, now, the makeup is Robson's a specialist hooker, uh, so I really think that Granville cannot be an 80 minute hooker at all. He really needs to timeshare. So I think that Robson and Granville are basically going to timeshare at nine. I don't see either of them going to the, the forward rotation. And the three forwards that are on the bench, you know, Wright's played big minutes, but Dunn and Molo really aren't big minute guys. They've never done it. Um, and even Asiata, who's starting, has only been high 30s as a minute guy in the middle rotation. So that spells really good minutes for Lolo. Um, and it also looks pretty good for someone like Hess to, to maintain his 80 minutes as well. So that all looks fantastic as far as the bench makeup for TLT. I don't think we could have asked for much more. Um, it doesn't look fantastic for Molo. He's a big loser. I was never on him. I didn't understand the love. At 300k, you just have to completely get off him. He's, he's the 17th man in the side. He's just not going to get the minutes. Moving along, uh, for the Broncos, the big news for them is injury to birds. So... Um, just editing the podcast, it's actually come through that it looks like he's done his ACL. Um, now that's going to see Osako move back to fullback. That's going to affect several options now. So it's actually going to have a big, big knock-on effect. Um, I wouldn't be going stags without goal kicking at all. And now he's not going to have it. It's likely going to be Osako. But likewise, I also wouldn't be jumping on Osako either just yet. Osako is a guy that's, that fell out of favour very quickly. And this has happened a few times with him where there's been a lot of talk and promise and whatever, and he's just fallen out of favour. You know, last preseason he was meant to get the fullback job and he didn't get it. This preseason he was meant to get the fullback job and everyone was adamant. And he didn't only not get it, he, he got benched. He didn't even get his win spot back. So I'd be very hesitant jumping on any of those guys. I just think that it's pretty unknown and it's a pretty fluid rotation at the moment. Um, Xavier Coates is on the bench as of the updated team. So you really don't know what's going to happen there. I'd be steering clear of all those guys. Other mids that have come up for the Broncos, Arthur's actually got the wing spot, but at over 300k and the fluidity in their positions, I, I couldn't possibly go there. Um, I think the big winners are going to be in the Fords. So we kind of thought this before TLT, so it's nice that it's been reaffirmed. Carrigan was named as co-captain for this game, and he's starting 13. He becomes the number one mid-range option to get. And I can't say buy him enough times. He played 34 minutes a game last year. He's only 326k and has massive upside. When he played 40 plus minutes a game last year, he maintained a 1 plus PPM. And he could easily go into gun status this year. That 13 jumper um, is just going to be a must start for Carrigan now that he's got it. He's If he plays 60 minutes, he's going to get 60 points. Um, if he manages to get any more minutes than that, it's just going to be gravy. And he's going to just make an absolute bucket load of cash. He'll get to 500k very quickly, um, and he may very well end up being a, a player of the future where we end up keeping him all season, much like when someone like Angus came through at the, at the Rabbitohs. Um, I could see that happening uh, with someone like Carrigan. So I'm all over Carrigan. Um, it does mean that Flegler gets to start as well as TPJ. Both of those guys are confirmed. But I think the Flegler and TPJ conundrum is pretty big when looking at the, the team list. Um, both were named to start like Carrigan, but you've got to remember that Alex Glenn is not in this side. If I were to guess, uh, I would guess that TLT um, round two or three, whenever Glenn comes back, TPJ is going to move to prop and Flegler is going to go to the bench. So I could not possibly go near Flegler at all. Um, but TPJ is interesting. 
540k, um, and he's been named on an edge rather than the middle. He was throwing up 70-plus points last year on the edge, went on some huge runs. It's really appealing points-wise, um, but there is some risk there when he goes back to, uh, you know, prop. Is that going to happen next week? Um, is it going to happen the week after? And when it does, you know, what's going to happen for his minutes? Is it going to go back down to 50 minutes a game? Um, I think that there's probably too many mid-range options to worry about a higher price 540k um, TPJ. But in saying that, he's going to be a pod and he could just come out on fire and start throwing offloads. So I definitely understand the, the, the interest, especially if someone's putting him in front row forward. Other thing with these forwards for the Broncos, the bench from round one at least looks absolutely gold. So they've obviously got a back on the bench in Coates. Um, they've also got Macker on the bench to spell hooker and maybe play some lock. That means there's only two true forwards. And they're both inexperienced. We've got Jamil Hopalati and Reese Kennedy on the bench. So, and there's not much at all on that extended bench either. So it looks very, very juicy for forward options for this game. Fafita and Carrigan um, might have firmed as pretty incredible buys for round one. Um, with that bench, they both look like they're going to be getting big minutes. And they might both be you know, really hard to leave out. I have both of those guys now. And there's no way I could leave out for feeder. I said that all off-season. The team list has just confirmed that for me. There's absolutely no way I could leave out Carrigan either. They're two of the first second-row forwards I'd be picking if I made a team today. So they look really, really good. As far as this game is concerned, captaincy-wise, um, Haas is a, a really, really good safe pick here, um, as is Lolo. Uh, both of these guys are going to benefit from the benches that either side's name from round one. Huss looks like he's basically locked into big minutes again. If there was any doubt that he might um, lose a few minutes, um, that really got over, that really got thrown out the window when, when Lodge went down, and it's just been thrown out another window again now that we've seen the bench. Um, Huss is going to get huge minutes. So he looks like a fantastic safe pick captaincy. Um, if you win a, a Moses VC in that earlier game and a Huss as a C, that works out perfectly. It may very well be what I do this week. I'd almost guarantee that neither Huss or Lolo are going to go below 65 points this week. That's a great floor to have as a safety net. Um, as far as what happens this one, I think it's going to be real close, um, like it always is. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a one-pointer, though. I kind of think that the uh, the disarray with some of the Broncos' rotations and guys out, um, it's going to mean that um, probably they're going to take a loss, I reckon, because you've got to remember with this one, it is going to be at the Cowboys' brand-new stadium that they're going to be unveiling. I think they're going to be pretty fired up for that. And I think the Broncos have had a bit of a disrupted preparation as well. So I reckon the, it's going to be a bit of a tight one. I think the Cows will win about 20 to 14, 18-12 maybe, that type of scoreline. Uh, a couple of really good solid forward options in this one, though. Really looking forward to it. Knights vs. Warriors is the next one for us. And let's have a look at the Knights side first. The Knights have got a triple centre-wing, cheapy mid-range alert. Uh, we've got Man at 6, Tuala and Shibasaki in the centres. So that, that presents a lot of options. You know, all those guys are between that sort of 250 to 285k mark. So, again, with a lack of cheap set of wing options, they all become quite interesting. In other years where we've had some cheap rookies come in for round one, they wouldn't have been that interesting at all. Um, but I think you've got to look at one of them at least. So they get a really good matchup for round one against the Warriors. Um, all these guys have scored pretty bad before. So when having a look at them, I'd really lean at picking one out of the three. I wouldn't want to go all three of them for sure. And I don't even think I'd want to go on two out of the three, to be honest. 
So when I'm deciding on picking out of these three guys, um, probably what I'm going to focus on is job security. And when I look at job security, I think Shibasaki's got the best job security to, to keep it going for long enough to make enough money for me. reason I say that is because um, as far as the six jersey goes, man has spent time there before and been dropped. He's got Lino, or Mason Lino, I should say, in reserve grade that could come in. Um, he's also got Connor Watson on the bench, so Mike gets pretty sick of being a bench player um, and could very well outplay him as well. So he's got a little bit of a threat on being dropped at some point. Likewise, Tuala, Bradman Best is a cheapie of the future down the track. He's projected as round four with his injury, uh, and Tuala's filling in on that side. As soon as Best is back, Tuala's gone. So he may not even get enough cash rises for you to be able to get rid of him by the time Best comes back. So I think Shibasaki's pretty clear cut on job security out of the three. If you have a quick look at Shibasaki's numbers, he's actually performed better than Tuala as well. Shibasaki's 41 points per game if you just look at his 80-minute games in 2019. So he is better than some of these other guys. Um, 286k is underpriced because he's on a, a 28 point per game price point from 2019. So, you know, looking at his 80-minute performances, he's, a, he's about 13 points unders. So that's pretty good to start with. And I also think it's pretty good when you, you've got the Warriors first start playing them at home at McDonald Jones Stadium. So ticks a lot of boxes, Shibasaki. Um, I've got him in my side now as of this TLT. Uh, I think he's a pretty good option. Looking at the forwards for the Newcastle Knights, a um, bit of a bolter that we haven't spoken about at all in the preseason. I don't think anyone really looked at is Herman SASA. So Big Herman's an interesting mid that's popped up now. He's got the starting 13 jumper on Team List Tuesday, and he comes in at 372k. The important thing is that when he was doing this back in 2018, he played 52 minutes a game in that same sort of role. And for that 52 minutes a game, he, he scored 55 points per game. So that's a really good baseline to expect for this year if he retains that starting 13 jumper. Glasby on the bench does worry me a little bit. Um, he is someone who has started at 13 before. Likewise, Barnett's been moved back there before as well. So I wouldn't necessarily say that job security is great, but he's got a great PM, he's got a great work rate, uh, and he is a pod mid-ranger. He's not going to be popular. He's not going to be in the top six or seven mid-range forwards that people are starting with. So definitely some appeal there. He's probably got a better floor than some of those other guys as well. As much as I love Hess... Um, Herman playing 55 minutes a game is going to have a better fall than Hess playing 80 on an edge. So he does look like he's got some good value there. Any other year, it would be a really interesting problem. Um, but now, there's too many mid-range price forwards for round one for me. I just can't possibly fit him in. But he could be a smoky if he, um, if he starts in that side for the rest of the year, that's for sure. Other Knights players. So we got Barnett in and starting on that edge... He's a huge pod. Now, he's an expensive one, and we spoke about his numbers and stats in the preseason. But when he started that last couple months of 2019, he went on a pretty special stretch where he was was scoring uh, 70-plus points a game, sorry. And he did it with a nice combo of good work rate and attacking stats. So he's a super interesting pod. Um, He could very well fire. I really like his matchup against the Warriors uh, this first round as well. Um, and last year, even though he's coming in expensive at the moment, well over half a million dollars, last year he started off with low minutes. So he is actually underpriced for an 80-minute edge forward. Um, so I can't do it, 
there's too many forward options. If there were less mid ranges, I would maybe consider it. But if anyone's really brave and going to do it, it, it really wouldn't surprise me this week if if Barnett ends up firing. Because if you guys remember, um, a couple of years ago, Lachlan Fitzgibbon on the other side was killing it. Um, he was going fantastic. And then last year, he dropped off a cliff. And that was because he stopped getting as much ball. The ball started going the other way a bit more. Um, and Barnett is that other way ball that could end up hitting some holes. Really, really like it. Um, other nights for this one. Pearson Ponga as a matchup for this round one side. Oh, I reckon that they could have a field day against the Warriors. I can't say enough how much I like Ponga as an option this year. And this first game, you could easily get a ton out of him. He's definitely goal kicking. Um, they're playing at the Donald Jones Stadium at home against the Warriors side with some injury worries to RTS uh, and some other guys as well. And also a few fresh faces as well. So talking about fresh faces for the Warriors, mids and cheapies for them. We have our first bottom-priced options. It only took us a few games to get to them, but the Warriors have named a bottom-priced front-row forward on the bench in Jermaine Tanoa-Brown and a bottom-priced 171K second-row forward in Lisa Katoa. Um, with the bench including Lawton and Nikarima, it seems like Brown probably projects to get the best decent minutes out of the two because uh, they're going to need him in that front row forward rotation. He, uh, Katoa does come in with huge wraps. I tend to lean towards Brown, though, because they're going to need those middle minutes more than what they're going to need a second rower. Um, the risk is going to be here that guys like Pulo and even Milne in the centre squad could come in and need some of those forward minutes or take their roles. Um, that could even happen this week because they're on the extended bench, and someone like Pulo has been good before. So I could see that happening. Um, Having said that, if I had to pick one of them for this week, um, I'd probably lean towards Brown. And I'd also, you know, probably make sure that I'm not going to pick multiple guys. I've seen a lot of sides with um, young Rudolph from the Sharks and Brown, based on TLT, having them both on the bench. I really want to, wouldn't want to end up with two really low, you know, minute bench forwards for this round one um, team because that's just going to really hurt. And it's going to be a bit hard for you to fix it up as well. Uh, if you started with all the cheapest guys, so, you know, Katoa, Tanoa Brown and, and Rudolph from the Sharkies, you're putting yourself in a really tough spot. You know, all those guys could be really low-minute guys and they could all be scoring really poorly. And, and it's going to take two trades just to get one of them out. So I think it's fine to start with one of them. Um, just make sure that you're not starting with all of them um, would be what I'm going to do from round one. In their back line for the Warriors, uh, Fizzatua, as expected, has been moved to centre. He becomes a bit of a mid-range option. 345k um, it might be pretty enticing for some people. He's a stay away for me. They're away from home. Um, RTS is in doubt. He may not even get to play. Um, and he's also been moved to his non-favoured side away from Mamolo. So I think it's pretty hard to start with him for this week still. Um, Mamolo got a lot of ball last year and a lot of tries because they were going that side. Um, I'm not sure that Fusatua is going to get that much on that side with him and Herbert. So I'm not going to Fuse. I think there's some probably some better options. Um, even a Shibasaki, considering you're going to save, you know, 70-odd K, uh, looks like a much better one. Captaincy options for this one. Um, I'm, I'm going to go balls out. I might very well captain Ponga straight up for this. I, I could easily see him getting bulk points at home versus Warriors side. Um the appeal of a ton captain straight up is definitely here. I'd be very surprised if his floor wasn't at least 70 um, as a floor. 
And I think that he could easily end up turning up this week. Um, if, if RTS gets ruled out, um, the Warriors away from home are going to be not looking like a great side for this first matchup. So really like it. Um, I really like the Knights as well. I think they're going to put 30 points on the Warriors. And I think they're going to win by at least a couple of tries. Uh, so definitely all over the Newcastle Knights. Um, I'm putting Shibasaki in. I've got Ponga in already. And I'm hoping those guys are, are definitely going to get some tries. Looking at the next game, after this Knights one, we've got uh, the Rabbits versus the Sharkies. Rabbits, Cheapies and Mids talk. Um, based on this team list, Knight and Sewer um, look really good. Knight has pretty much come into must-have status as far as I'm concerned. The Rabbits have named a bench with Alex Johnson. Um, and how he's how Knight's looked in 13 in the trials... Um, he could be an absolute monster this year. 430k, I think in the charity shield, he had four offloads. Um, one of the things that he was doing was he was doing a bit of a turbo playing before the line type of thing, oversized death, has the halfback link forward type of type of role. Um, I'm not worried about that because his work rate was still really high. And the fact that they were playing him in that role and they've named him in the 13 jumper for round one, it says to me that he's going to be involved in a lot of their set plays and a lot of um, their structure which means that he's going to get minutes to me. So I really like Knight at 430k, dual front row, second row forward. Uh, I said Carrigan was the number one mid-range option to get in. I think that Knight's going to be the second or third best one as well, even though he's 430k. Um, I really rate him. Sewer does have low on the bench, uh, but at 300k, he's still a good shot at playing 80, even with low. Um, If I were to guess, I would think that low went into the middle rotation, um, could easily spell Knight. Um, Knight could also split some time between 13 and prop, which you can do really easily. Um, so it's it's a nice bench having that um, Alex Johnson naming for round one on there. He's only going to spell a backline guy. Um, so that's a bit of the risk too. Um, Alex Johnson is either not going to play or he's going to come in and replace a back. I've got no idea how that's going to work, but he's not going to replace a forward. So just something to think about and watch. Um, in the backs, the other mid-range option is a 392k James Roberts. He scored pretty poorly last year. Obviously, a lot of people have, have seen in the preseason that he said that he's lost 10 kilos. I wouldn't surprise me if he starts firing straight away in this game. Um, I don't mind him at all as a flyer, uh, mid-range centre wing option. I think you could do a lot worse. Uh, other backs to talk about is the gun back Cody Walker. So he looks really primed for this game. Um, looking at the team list, I'm, I'm pretty excited for him. The Sharks' back line doesn't look too great, um, and the Rabbits could put on some really good points here. So with three of the regular backline stars from the Sharkies missing, I think Cody could look really fantastic round one as a pod. Um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't score well, to be honest. Um, for the Sharkies, the mids and cheapies, Magulius is now dead with this TLT. He's been named as 18th man. Um, that's also good news for Jack Williams, though, the other 397k mid-range guy that now has less competition for minutes. Connor Tracy's a guy that's now a backline substitution as a um, bench utility, uh, whereas Magulius, if he was going to play a bit of a utility role or spell hooker, was going to be a fourth forward. So Tracy being on the bench for this team list is really good news for Jack Williams. 60 minutes for Williams now looks much more likely. Um, and if he gets 60-plus minutes, you're possibly looking at 60-plus points if he keeps his work rate up. So still like some of the other cheap... He's, 
he's not as cheap as some of the other guys at 397k as far as mid-range forwards, but he could really fire um, with the bench that they've got there. You know, um, the other guys that could really fire to um, Rudolph on the bench is a base, base price cheapy. He's won that spot on form, so he's going to be a front row forward option. I mentioned before I wouldn't have Rudolph and Brown from the Warriors. Um, I could see Rudolph going two ways. He played really well in the offseason. He's won this spot for TLT round one. He may very well end up with decent minutes off the bench considering they've only got the three forwards. I could also see him only getting 20-something minutes a game and, and just for super coach purposes, just being pretty garbage. Um, that could also happen as well. When we're looking at the um, the mids in the backs, probably the most important thing to remember, um, because I've seen a lot of people jumping on Williams, who's the starting fullback for round one, and I've seen a few people as well jumping on Militalo. Both of those guys are sort of 230, 260k range. They've got Sherry, Dugan and Moylan all currently out. So it looks like the classic super coach trap to me. Sherry coming in is going to be a straight swap for Morris when Morris goes after round two. That's totally fine. But we're still left with Dugan and Moylan, who are either going to take one of those guys out or both of them when both are returning. So there's just too poor a job security for me to go near those guys. Um, it's not like that you're spending base price money on them. Neither of them are 170k, and there's just so many better options around. So... I wouldn't be touching any of those mid-range um, potential cash cow type guys like Williams or Militalo. I'd just be leaving them there to see what the roles are going to be once um, both Dugan and Moylan come back, and that could be pretty soon as well. Aside from that, other players to talk about for the Sharkies. Uh, for Fita starting and has a three-forward bench, that all seems guaranteeing he's building on more than his 2019 minutes, which were 49 a game. Um, it is a risk with his leg. We've said that all season. But seeing the round one team list, um, he does shape as a great pod. Um, and that bench has actually got me pretty interested. If Rudolph is only going to get small minutes. Um, that you know The South pack doesn't look too strong either. So he could play really well this week. Um, I'm pretty interested in Fafida, actually. I've gone back to the well a little bit and had a look at maybe fitting him in my side, um, just purely because it, it looks like the human woods have to get more minutes um, with Connor Tracy on the bench and someone like Rudolph not going to get huge minutes and just the way that that team list has been called out, it just looks like that even if Fafida goes from 49 minutes a game in 2019 to 55 minutes round one, that's an extra six points a game for him and that goes up to a 66 average and all of a sudden he's a premium front row forward, potentially the second best one behind Payne Huss. So it is a risk with his injury, but the reward is pretty huge. Um, so I am considering him quite a bit. SJ is obviously that other gun that they have. I was more interested in the preseason on SJ. Now that we've seen the Sharks team list um, and what they're up against from the Rabbits, I'm actually a little bit more down on him now. Um, his backline's missing three key pieces. I don't think the backline looks great for the Sharkies for this matchup, and they're also against a very, very good backline that South Sydney have. So I feel like the, the um, it's a little bit strange this matchup because uh, the Sharks forwards could do really well against the South Sydney forwards, but the Sharks backs could really struggle super coach wise against that um, that South Sydney backline. So I'm I'm pretty down on Sean Johnson. I'm not considering him at all now. Um, I definitely need some other options that you can go off. So I'm completely off the SJ train. 
captaincy options for this matchup. Cook still looks like an option, um, but the Shark Pack is still their strength, much stronger than their backline. Um, so a 55, you know, solid 55 wouldn't surprise me and really wouldn't be good enough for your captaincy from round one. Uh, really seems like Haas and Lolo are, are far better, safer options than, than Cook these days. Um, but that also makes Cook a, a complete pod C. A lot of people have been jumping off him for um, Appy or even um, some other combos. So uh, it's probably going to be more of a pod C than what you ever had all year last year for Cook. So there is that for it. Um, I reckon the South Sydney Rabbitohs will win this one. 24-16 would be my score guess. I think the Sharks Pack will score well, but uh, their backs are going to really struggle for round one. Next game, we've got the Roosters versus the Penrith Panthers. Um, so, for my Roosters, looking forward to this one. Um, I would have liked a bit of an easier team for the first matchup. The, um, the Roosters generally have a pretty tough got time against Penrith and is away at Panthers Stadium, so I don't think it's going to be an easy one for the Roosters by any stretch. But uh, with a side that they've named, Miz and Cheapies talk. A lot of people have been talking about Satili Tupanua. I'm going to say, first up, I love Satili as a player. He is really, really good. Um, I think that he's a, a starting forward of the future, but the future isn't right now. He is named a start for round one. He looks like a massive trap. He's 267k, uh, so he's not cheap at all. Um, he's you know almost 100k off a, a base rookie type of price. He's starting though, so a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, some coaches are gravitating towards just throwing him in there. He's only there replacing Boyd Cordner who hasn't been named, um, and he's going to be back soon. Now, it looks like he's going to be back soon. I am going to say, though, I'm a little bit surprised um, with Courtney not playing. So on some of the Roosters forums, guys have said it's been reported that um, that Courtney that, that is getting a rest. Now, that doesn't make any sense for me that they're, you know, <laughs> trying to rest him and manage his workload when it's round one. It, it really doesn't make any sense. So... I am slightly concerned as a Roosters fan that um, there's something else to it. Maybe Cordner is carrying a more serious injury. I have heard from multiple sources before that, that Cordner's legs are shot. There's a lot of issues with them. Um, so hopefully it's not the case. All you can go off, though, is what the reported information is right now, and that is that Cordner's probably going to be back next week. Um, and when he comes back, he's going to take that jersey straight off Tupanua, who is then going to be fighting to be on the bench Um the other thing to take into account as well with Tupanua is in uh, round three, Angus Crichton, who's been named at centre, is going to move from centre and he's going to be a starting forward. So he, he will just take that, that jumper straight off Tupanua if Cordner uh, hasn't already. So there's actually two forwards to go back into that Roosters pack. And my guess would be that Tupanua and Orbo would go out of the starting side once that happens in a couple of weeks. And then you're going to end up with Probably Lindsay Collins and Satili Tupanu are fighting it out for a bench spot. And one of them may very well end up out of the 17 entirely. So you might only get one week out of Tupanu where he goes okay. And then he's just not going to make any money after that at all. So I wouldn't go anywhere near him. Um, it's either going to be a Tupanu or Collins missing out on the side altogether when they're full strength. Possibly Butcher. Um, but two of those guys has to miss out with Morris coming and Cordner coming into the side as well. Uh, others to talk about for the Roosters, um, Teddy is against a side that he averaged 72 points a game against last season. Uh, I actually think that he might buck the trend and start well here. A um, couple of things to like. 
about the team list, um, the Roosters are missing quite a bit of experience. So obviously they've got Flano there instead of Kronk. Latrell Mitchell's gone, so they don't have that strike out there to throw the ball out to. And on top of that, Cordner's not there. So, you know, Tedesco is one of the more senior players to lead that side along with Kiri. I think he could have a really, really big game. Um, I, I like him for this week, and I wouldn't begrudge anyone from uh, deciding to go him and um, and Lil Pap as your, as your uh, fullbacks, even though I really like Ponga. Angus is another guy to quickly mention. Obviously, like I said, he's been named in the centre um, as a really ballsy play, and I'm not recommending it at all. If you are somebody who is interested in Angus and is going to burn a trade on him in a couple of weeks when he's a starting back rower, um, and I do think that he will be a starting back rower, he's on a million dollars a year. He was injured last year when he was on the bench playing some middle minutes to get him acclimatised. The last couple of months he was an 80-minute player. I do think that in a couple of weeks he's going to be an 80-minute player um, and he's going to be on an edge. If you're going to buy him anyway, um, a ballsy type of strategy might be just to start with him now. Now, obviously playing at centre, it's not ideal. He's 530k, so he's not cheap. But what you are going to get out of it is that you are going to save a trade um, from having to burn it later. And it's a lot easier to move your team around and get a 530k guy in for round one when you've got unlimited trading than what it is in a couple of weeks. If you're not interested in him, then don't even worry about it. It doesn't matter. But if you've decided for yourself that you're going to get him when he goes into the forward pack, it might be worth considering whether you can just throw him in there now just depending on your team. Um, as a late change, Orbo to centre would be absolutely amazing. I think it's unlikely, but you know that would be amazing. If you ended up taking the pun on Angus because you want him for week three when he's a forward, and there's a late change where Trent Robinson throws Orbo at centre and Angus goes back to that edge that he's acclimatised to, that would be fantastic. It would be an absolute masterstroke, but you're obviously hoping for a bit of luck there. With the Penrith Panthers side, uh, mids and cheapies, you know, realistically, we got just what we expected. Um, Luai's there. We don't have Burton on the bench. Um, although he is in the extended squad, we've got a little bit more security with Luai to just start him at 257k. Um, Tedavano gets a start, which wasn't expected, but it is totally misleading. Um, don't fall for it. He's 300k. And he's going to end up on the bench very, very soon. Even when he was playing for the Roosters... When he started, he only played an extra five minutes a game. He's not a big minute player. JFH is on the bench, which is a big thing. He's recovering from injury, and he's waiting to come back into that starting prop role any time. So it completely kills Tedavano. You know, as early as this week, there might be a late change where Fisher-Harris goes in and starts a prop, and Tedavano's back to the bench. Um, if it doesn't happen this week, it's coming in the next couple of weeks. So you just can't go near Tedavano. Definitely don't fall for the trap. Conversely, though, Api Corosau, as expected, is starting, but he has no hooker cover. Um, so that's fantastic. For anyone starting with Appy, um, he looks like he's going to get 80 minutes. He, there is Crichton on the, on the bench who is a centre wing. Um, so <laughs> there is that, but I don't really see where they're going to play him. Um, probably the only worry was going to be from round one if, uh, if Burton came onto the bench and then they were going to put Luai at hooker where he's had some games before to get Burton some minutes. That might have been a bit scary. Um, but that, none of that looks like it's going to happen at this point. What you do need to be aware of with uh, Appy, though, is that Kenny can come onto the bench in the next few weeks, um, and when he does, that 80 minutes might go. Uh, but at the moment, um, he looks like a great cash cow option, option based on TLT for round one anyway. Um, Capewell's out with an injury as well, so he's actually replaced in the starting lineup with Martin. So that kills Capewell for round one as far as mid-price guys are, go- are going, but... 
Yo is a starting 13. He could be a sneaky centre wing option, um, mainly because it's only a three forward bench. And Liam Martin is no longer on that bench. You know, when Liam Martin was on the bench, he was almost certainly going to spell um, yeah for quite a quite a few minutes. But that's not going to happen now that um, that Martin's on the edge. So it's it's an interesting one because you might find that you get some good numbers from you know a starting thirteen in your centre wing to start with. But there is a couple of players to come back for Penrith, so might be a good one for TLT for round one. It might not be as good. Um, in the coming weeks, so so I'm actually holding off. I'll wait and see if he scores, you know, really well. Then you know he can be a round three downgrade from someone, um, particularly as a centre wing. A really good option that I like is if you do have some, you know, reasonably expensive centre wings in the 400s range or more. You can just take the punt on them and just see how they're going to go. And if one of them is um, underperforming, which always happens. They're going to be coming up to a round three negative break even, and they're going to start leaking cash, and you're going to want to get rid of them. Someone like um, you know starting thirteen for the Penrith Panthers that's looked good for a couple of weeks, and you've been able to see the rotation for. That's a great downgrade option, and it's an easy downgrade option where you can also bank some cash. So that's how I'd be looking at him for this season. I wouldn't be starting with him for round one. Other guys to look at for this particular game to kick off the season: Big Billy Kickout. Uh, actually, he's played really well against the Roosters last year. So there's a chance that he does it again. His two scores for the Roosters games last year, 111 points and 90 points against them. Absolutely huge. Uh, I remember it well. He absolutely tore us apart that um, that second game. He had the, one of the best individual forward tries for that second half of the season. And um, he looks like he's really healthy based on his nines. Not form, but how he looked. He looks like he's healthy and he's not carrying a leg injury. So I I couldn't begrudge anyone from starting with him. Um, the Roosters matchup might actually be better than what people think um, based on his prior scores against them and being at Penrith Stadium. I've been burned far too many times before, though, so I'm not going to start with him. But he does have some huge pod potential for this matchup. Um, and the numbers say that he could very well fire on that edge even against the Roosters. Captaincy options. So like I said earlier, Teddy's a fine captain. Choice again, he's going to be a pod captain as well. Um, so I, I wouldn't begrudge anyone. If somebody captained Teddy last year as an owner from round one to round 25, you probably most people probably would have ended up doing better off than trying to choose a captain all year. So I, I don't mind it at all. Um, as far as what I think happens, I think the Panthers are going to give the Roosters a really good shake. Uh, I think it's going to worry me. I think I'm going to have to have a, a few extra Jack Daniels than what I normally would after my six-pack. Uh, but I do think the Roosters will still get there. I think we'll probably win sort of 24-18 type of style, um, but I do think it's going to be a close one. It wouldn't surprise me if, if we end up with an early upset. So this next game is the Seagulls versus Storm at Lotto Land. Um, looking at the Seagulls first for mid-range cheapy options, there's none in the starting 13 really. But they do have a couple on the bench. Um, One of the surprising things is that there isn't really any mid-range options to look at or cheapies because Jake Trevojevic and Fenua Blake Blake have both been named. Um, That's really surprising. Turbo was pushing for it, uh, but Fenua Blake looked like he was at least a couple of weeks away. So very surprising. Um, But what that means is that we don't really have great super coach options to look at. Kepi has got a job on the bench, um, and it is a bench that has Lachlan Croker on it. So there's a three-forward bench with Kepi, Boyle, and Olakatu, who I probably pronounced incorrectly, so I'm sorry. Um, 
Those three guys are going to do the forward rotation off the bench. Olakatu is making his debut, um, so I tend to think that he is the 17th man. Wouldn't surprise me at all if someone like Sipley comes in for him. Um, so Kepi probably looks like the most interesting one. He is a base price rookie. It's very hard to see how many minutes he's going to get, though. He scored 22 points in 19 minutes last year, but that's the only game that he's played. Um, he does seem to be the highest rated out of the two. Morgan Boyle being the other guy is probably going to stick there. Um, but Kepi, um, I actually don't mind him as a bit of an option. A lot of people are jumping on the Warriors, guys. Someone like Kepi might be a better option. The problem is that he is a front row forward only. And the other problem with it is that they do have Paseka to come back. He does look like he's a month away. Um, if he does come back, it's every chance that, um, you know, it's Alakatu who, who ends up out. Um, but, yeah, we're not really sure at this point. But the fact that it is a three-forward pinch is appealing. Um, aside from that, though, they don't really have any cheap or mid-range options to have a look at with the side that they've named. With their guns, it does look very tempting to look at guys like Fenua Blake and Trebojevic just because they've been named for round one. I couldn't possibly do it. Um, even without the fact of going through all the numbers again about um, Trebojevic's bad year last year and Jake, you know, the argument about Jake being underpriced versus, you know, that's what he is now because of Des Hasler. It's, you just can't grab someone for round one at that price when they weren't even meant to start. You know, a late change or scratch could easily happen for Fenua Blake or for Trebojevic. Maybe they get their minutes managed as well. Um, maybe they end up with a reoccurrence and they're out next week. I just don't think that you can go near either of them. Um, for those reasons, too, um, someone like Kepi might, might end up with decent minutes while those injuries are being managed for this first month of the season. One of the losers is going to be Tapao, though. So he does take a bit of a hit um, as far as Trevojevic and Fenua Blake both being back. The reliance on him isn't going to be as big. Um, but it is only a three-forward bench, so that also is a plus for him. So he probably evens out to probably giving us what we were expecting from him, uh, and that's kind of where I see the Seagulls at for TLT. Um, four other players, Trevojevic and DCE, um, you know, they're two reasonably popular guys. Trevojevic is the lowest zone that he's ever been. Um, starting off against the Storm, it's not fantastic for him or Manly, but the Seagulls generally do play well at Lotto Land, so both those guys have that going for them. I couldn't pay for Turbo for round one. Um, TLT hasn't changed my mind in any way or made me reminisce about the good times. You know, Ponga's against the Warriors, Turbo's against the Storm, and Turbo's 100k more or whatever. It's just no, it's just no chance for me. On the Storm side of things, um, the mid-range stuff that we were hoping to come through has... Not really happened. Um, Branko Lee was the backline mid-range hope that might happen, but Steve and Olem have both been named there. I can't go near either of those guys, um, but Tui Kamakamaka has ended up with a starting number 10 jersey. Um, now, he's 300k. He's got a huge amount of potential. I understand entirely why guys are looking at him and throwing him in, but uh, you, you just can't do it. You have to remember that they've got um, Nelson Asafa Solomona in Jersey 18 because he's recovering from injury. As soon as he comes in, he's going to be that starting 10 and two, he's going to be back on the bench in his old role. Um, and he's just not going to be going that well. Probably the only other argument for him as a pro is going to be that they do have Harry Grant on the bench uh, along with uh, Tino Fasamuli 
and Max King and Tom Eisenhuth. Um, so they've got three forwards. So maybe there is going to be some extra minutes. Um, but the Harry Grant news, um, a lot of sources that I'll probably side with have said that the, the deal's done, that, that Harry Grant is going and Momorowski's coming over here. So it would not surprise me at all for Harry Grant to be pulled out of this side and for Nass to go into it on the bench, or for even one of these other guys in that 21-man squad to go on the bench for Harry Grant. If the Storm are close to getting it done, and even if it's not finalised yet, it would be very surprising for them to risk injury to Harry Grant when they want to get this swap done because they really want Momorowski in their centres. Um, I just don't think that Harry Grant's going to play this week. So I would um, hold off on that, um, and I'd also hold off on looking at any of these forwards, really, as far as two he goes because they're, they're going to be very trappish. Um, conversely, on the on the gun side of things, Ryan Pappenhausen had a massive game against them last year where he just about tunned up uh, against Manly, and that was in a really dour affair. Um, I think it was a might have been a, a 15-14 type of scoreline or something like that, um, and little Pat just carved up. So he, all last year, he was match-up proof. I'm not worried about starting him or reserving him this week at all. I think he's still going to go well. Um, and if you own Cameron Smith, you're going to do the same. He's got a pretty decent record against the Seagulls as well. Um, so as far as captaincy options go, though, there's no chance I'd be captaining someone like Cameron Smith or Tom Trevojevic being the, probably the two biggest guns in this one. Um, I do think that it's going to be a tight one, um, and I reckon that it might be sort of an 18-16 or 18-17 scoreline again. I think the Seagulls are going to get it this time, though. Um, looking forward to it, though. should be a pretty dour affair. Moving on to the final game of round one, uh, the Dragons versus Tigers. This one's going to be at Wynn Stadium. Big news for the cheapy front and mid-range front. The cheapest starting centre wing option is in this final game, and that is Braden Williami, who has been named in the centres. Ewan Aitken is on an extended bench. Um, from all the mail that's been spoken about, uh, Aitken is completely out of favour. So at best, he might end up on the bench at some point and use as a second row or a centre backup, but it looks like that he's gone. I would be very surprised if he's going to be playing for the Dragons in first grade the way it's been talked about. Um, so that's great news for Willie Army. Um, it's also great news because a lot of the time these cheap centre wings come through at 201k. They're normally a winger. Um, the fact that he's at centre, um, that's really appealing. Um, and they're playing at Wind Stadium, so it's a good first up game for him. So really good on the cheapy front for the Dragons side um, and one that we didn't really expect at all. On the mid-range front as well, we've got Trent Nairn, who was a bit of an option for some people. Um, we were waiting to see sort of what his role was. He's in Jersey 14. Blake Laurie's got the starting 13 jumper, so Nairn is a complete no-go. Um, Joel Fermano is on the bench, only 200k, and he is on a bench that has Billy Britton as a backup hooker. Um, so I can sort of see the appeal, but... Guys like Jackson, Ford, um, Josh Kerr, and even if you and Aitken does get a bench spot, are all there in the 21-man squad. And I say as Ford's, um, Ford and Kerr will probably overtake Fulmano at some point. Um, potentially they'll overtake Host, but if both those guys end up in that in that bench side and they've only got three Fords, wouldn't surprise me at all for Fulmano and Jacob Host to both drop out and for Kerr and also Ford to come in. So I'd just be steering clear of those bench forward situations with the Dragons. Um, other players of note in this one, Zach Lomax, as we expected, is a starting number one. 
I can't go past him with the set, lack of centre wing cheapies that are available. A fullback that's starting, playing at Wind Stadium versus Tigers and goal kicking. I, I, he's just set in my side. There's no way I'm taking him out. Um, the rest of the back line, though, leaves a lot to be desired. I'm not, I'm not particularly keen on any of these other guys. Um, I am going to watch with interest, though, to see how they go. On the Tigers side of things, um, cheapy mid-range watchers thrown up a, a few little spanners. So Adam Dewey was someone who I was pretty keen on, and I've had him since he transferred over to the Tigers because I thought that he was going to be a fullback and a goal kicker. Corey Thompson's been named in the number one jersey now. I think that's a lot worse for Dewey. Um, he's not as good at centre as what he can be at fullback. Uh, he's not going to be as involved. He's going to get more tackles, um, but the fact that they've changed him for Corey Thompson, um, I'm also questioning now the male, and even if he kicks, um, whether they give it to someone else or not. So I'm a bit wary. So I've actually dropped Adam Dewey out of my side now. Uh, I was really big on him, but you really have to be able to assess TLT when it comes down and make those hard calls. And my gut's just telling me to, to worry a little bit about it um, until I know that he's goal-kicking, at least I can't consider him. Um, but Billy Walters is there as a starting nine. So that's the other big win for Cheapy Watch. Um, you can throw him in at halfback um, as a starting nine at 201k, um, and he looks like absolute gold. I am going to not start him, um, and the reason I'm going to do that is because I think that there is way too much risk that the Harry Grant deal is going to go through. A lot of people are saying, and a lot of you know people in the know are saying that it's going to go through. Um, now, if it does, you might get round one where you know Grant plays a. a Billy Walters plays 80 minutes and then ends up as a 20-minute bench rotation guy next week. Uh, that could very easily happen. And it's very, very hard to get rid of those guys at a 200K or 170K and move them across to anyone else because there's not a lot of cheapies that are named week in, week out, let alone in the position that you need to get someone out of in that halfback spot. So I'm just not going anywhere near it. Um, I'm just leaving Billy Walters out. There's other options that you can go for instead. Um, Luciano Lelua as a mid-range second rower, got that starting 12 job, which is great. Um, he's firm now as a as an option. Um, with the bench that they've got, they've actually got Josh Reynolds on the bench um, as a utility, or maybe he's going to play some hooker. Then they've got two big props in McKaylee and Musgrove and an edge in Chris Lawrence. Uh, that bodes really, really well for Leilua. Um, it's... It, at least 60 minutes of him is going to be worthwhile at 430-odd K. And we went through his numbers in the preseason, and that was going to be close to gun numbers. He'd probably get around 60 points a game in his 60 minutes um, because he's going to hit some attack. It is a revenge game for Luciano as well. Um, obviously, leaving the St. George Dragons, who kept not giving him opportunities and dropping him and whatever, although it was probably warranted. I'm sure that he's going to fire up for it. So all in all, attacking that edge of the Dragons, uh, I think Luciano could really fire. Um, I, team, team List Tuesday has really made me come around on him, um, and I've got him in my side now. The bench really helps him because McKaylee is going to be big minutes, Musgrave is going to be big minutes, and they're going to spell Twole and Alawai, who are both the props, really. And Elijah Taylor was kind of out of favour last year. I'm a little bit surprised that he's even named to start at 13. Um, there was times he was left right out. That could be quite fluid as well. So, looks really good for Luciano. Um, other players of note, um, obviously, Nofo and Joey are on that side of Luciano. If you think that that side's going to fire against the Dragons, and it very easily could, um, then, you know, 
either BJ or Nofo could be decent options, although you know, Nofo's at 600k one. But against that Dragon side, geez, I'd be surprised if um, if Nofo doesn't get at least 60 points and has a you know a ceiling of maybe turning up even if the, the Tigers go all over him. Um, Musgrave on the bench um, is one of the other cheapies just to note as far as their bench guys go. Um, he's he's probably still going to get good enough minutes at 200k. I would prefer to spend an extra 30k on a Zane Musgrove or then maybe you know a Brown from the Warriors at a base price. He um, he looks like he's going to be in for a good season. Uh, Benji Marshall said on NRL 360 the other night that. Musgrove's been one of the most impressive guys in, in the off-season. It wouldn't surprise me if he ends up getting a starting gig and Alawai ends up getting pushed back to lock and Taylor's out or Alawai's out or something. Uh, Musgrove has that potential. So I don't mind starting him at all. I'd rather him over some of the guys that are 30k cheaper um, baseline rookies on the bench. His job security should be pretty good there. I don't see him getting kicked out at all. So that's not bad news for the Tigers. Um, as far as captaincy options, though, it is the last game of the season. Oh, sorry, <laughs> last game of the season. It's round one. It is the last game of round one. Um, so normally that's a pretty good one to go for as far as captaincy options go. But there really isn't anything in this one that I'd be too excited about. Um, if someone was completely crazy, they might cover a no for Luma. But, um you just couldn't do it, not round one. No one's chasing points, guys. Just go for the steady options for round one and, and do a crazy VC. Um, on that note, as far as what happens in this one, it's at Wynn Stadium, uh, but I'm not really liking the look of this Dragon side at all. And I'm going to go for the Tigers. I actually think the Tigers are going to win it. I reckon it'll be you know, a pretty up-and-down game of 40. 24-20 Tigers win. That's what I reckon we're going to go for. And I reckon Leilua is going to carve. I'm looking at a 65-plus scoreline for Leilua is a big call in this one. And no Faluma as well should be similar. So that's Teamless Tuesday, guys, for round one. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm sorry this week it was just me. Um, but hopefully I gave you a few good pointers and things and a good assessment on at least a couple of things for round one. Um, it is always hard because there's a lot of information for round one. And you've got to remember a lot of it's guesswork. Um, you know, none of us really know, aside from the coaches, what the rotations are going to be. All you have to do is guess, and then you have to assess the risk. So if something has a lot of risk to it, sometimes you're better off just not doing it from round one and just watching it because you're going to get injuries. You're going to need to downgrade some guys later, and you can always burn some trades in the first few weeks. So um, hopefully it turns out how we all want it. Hopefully everyone gets their round one side sorted by tomorrow night and it's exactly how they want it. Good luck with it all. We're going to be back next week um, and we'll record again to get it up on Wednesday so you guys can listen before the Thursday night games happen and get all your trades done. Follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars and remember to subscribe on iTunes if you're listening through there because you'll get the episodes straight away. Otherwise, you can download and listen on SoundCloud as always. Until next week, good luck with your round one sides, guys.